0: We are Danny and Marcus DeLalio, and welcome to Deep Diving DeLalio's. Welcome back, everyone, to season one, part two of Deep Diving DeLalio's. Thank you for sticking with us during our hiatus. We're back, baby.
1: We're back. We got synced up, first try. Everything's good to go. We did it last night as well. Speaking of last night, (laughs)
0: It wouldn't be an episode of Deep Diving Delalios without some technical difficulties. As we're doing this in one of my spare bedrooms, I realized that about a half hour of what we taped last night was super blurry. Um, this morning, when I tried to edit it, and so I tried to fix it, and I, I couldn't. Um, and I thought we could retape it today, but I realized as I watched some of our clips of what we had done so far that it just wouldn't ring true
1: it wouldn't be the same it would feel like we were putting it on the, yeah the... which
0: half of our episode of episode one yeah uh, that's what that what happened Not not with the blurriness but we lost half of that episode we had to refilm,
1: which was super cool
0: so i'm gonna leave the blurry clips in please forgive me or i'm gonna put a timestamp um in the description but i'll probably also put it in the text up here to let you know when to skip to if you get like really sick of it or to let you know how long you're gonna be dealing with blurry versions of us and thank you again so much uh, for being with us but again it won't be that long so see you in a second welcome back to part two of season one of deep diving delalios We've been gone a minute.
1: I've been gone a minute. It's not your fault. It's mine. <laughs> it's totally mine.
0: Well, I, I also, you know what? I hate people that get on their podcast and talk for 30 minutes about what's been going on with their lives. If you want to hear about where we have been, end of the episode. We will talk to you yes. about that. But we are going to get into this. Although I bet, I bet y'all thought that we had disappeared because of the CIA after our last episode.
1: Oh, yeah. There's probably a couple people out there. That are like okay i watch these um, youtubers they're pretty fringe but like the cia definitely killed them got them not yet and we haven't been brainwashed yet
0: no not knowledge. yet no I don't remember well any flashing lights i don't so. know i'm gonna uh, i'm just gonna say it now <laughs> In the next two episodes, we're going to get into why I really do truly think Bush did 9-11. I don't know if you know the
1: stuff that I know about HW right now. Oh, I'm so excited. I know a lot about HW, but anyways. I'm so excited
0: because, listen, listen, y'all. Okay, so this episode was going to be, if you remember, recall from our last episode, we were going to start talking about why we went to war in Afghanistan. And listen, listen, I just want to say, this show has gone a a 180 from where I thought it was going to go. Because... I was like, we're going to deep dive into 9-11. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but we're going to start looking at the days. I always laugh. I mean, I think there's a part in one of our episodes where I'm like laughing at some commenters that are like, Bush did 9-11. I would not have guessed that yesterday I would have been calling you like, Marcus Bush did (laughs) 9-11. And it's not funny. Like, I literally cried yesterday in research because I was like, oh my God. Yeah
1: like it's scary it goes so deep and,
0: and listen listen I'm just gonna also be real with y'all I'm ADHD this is one of the most ADHD episodes ever because originally gonna be looking at the Afghanistan war and I got off on a fucking tangent and we are not gonna end up getting into Bush entirely in this episode that's actually gonna be in the next episode Thank
1: the Patreons
0: oh Patreon
1: Sylvia DeLali <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even show up for her fucking life.
0: I today. know the worst <laughs>
1: Patreon member the worst.
0: Is our mother. Best Patreon member is a tie between Allie and Emily. Yes. Love y'all. Well, also Star. But shout outs to our big Ds.
1: I don't know Star very well yet. It's
0: because so you haven't been on the live. I'm going to reserve Marcus, my judgment. If you want to hang out with me, come join our Patreon. It's a small little group and, and, and we just vibe. Um, so, you know, we're not big time creators yet. I have a million followers on TikTok, but it doesn't pay well. Thank you all for sticking with us, though, to our Patreon members because... We've been in a lull, but you would know where we were if you were on our Patreon. Yes. Because we have been keeping them in the loop. Well, Marcus hasn't, but I have. End of our last episode, we finished going through the timeline of the day of September 11th, 2001. Yes. We went through the attacks. We went through the collapse of World Trade Center 7, Barry Jennings. All of that, we went through President Bush addressing the nation. So in the next two episodes, we're going to start touching on why did we go to war with Afghanistan? Because when you think about it, no country has ever claimed responsibility for the 9-11 attacks. No. Not
1: only one group.
0: Only one group. Yeah. And they wouldn't claim it till years later, mm-hmm. by the by. However, we did have evidence, supposedly our government had evidence that it was Al-Qaeda that had carried out this attack pretty quickly, especially thanks to the courageous...
1: The courageous acts of flight attendants.
0: Betty Young and Madeline Amy Sweeney on Flight 11, who gave the seat numbers of the terrorists. So we would declare war on Afghanistan on October 7, 2001, less than a month after the attacks. That timeline is bananas, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I mean, uh, the president has congressional or not. He doesn't need congressional approval to deploy troops for up to 60 days. Oh, really? Yes, up to 60 days. That's why he's the commander in chief of the military. So you can just
0: fucking yes, go in there.
1: But if before the 60 days are up and nobody's voting yes or no on it, or everybody's voting no on it. At the end of those 60 days, this dude's got to get out of there.
2: Good afternoon. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against Al-Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. These carefully targeted actions are designed to disrupt the use of Afghanistan as a terrorist base of operations and to attack the military capability of the Taliban regime. We are joined in this operation by our staunch friend, Great Britain. Other close friends, including Canada, Australia, Germany, and France, have pledged forces as the operation unfolds. More than 40 countries in the Middle East, Africa, Europe, and across Asia, have granted air transit or landing rights. Many more have shared intelligence. We are supported by the collective will of the world. More than two weeks ago, I gave Taliban leaders a series of clear and specific demands. Close terrorist training camps, hand over leaders of the Al Qaeda network, and return all foreign nationals, including American citizens unjustly detained in your country. None of these demands were met. And now, the Taliban will pay a price. By destroying camps and disrupting communications, we will make it more difficult for the terror network to train new recruits and coordinate their evil plans. Initially, the terrorists may burrow deeper into caves and other entrenched hiding places. Our military action is also designed to clear the way for sustained, comprehensive, and relentless operations to drive them out and bring them to justice. At the same time, the oppressed people of Afghanistan will know the generosity of America and our allies. As we strike military targets, We will also drop food, medicine, and supplies to the starving and suffering men and women and children of Afghanistan. The United States of America is a friend to the Afghan people. And we are the friends of almost a billion worldwide who practice the Islamic faith. The United States of America is an enemy of those who aid terrorists and of the barbaric criminals who profane a great religion by committing murder in its name. This military action is a part of our campaign against terrorism, another front in a war that has already been joined through diplomacy, intelligence, the freezing of financial assets, and the arrests of known terrorists by law enforcement agents in 38 countries. Given the nature and reach of our enemies, we will win this conflict by the patient accumulation of successes, by meeting a series of challenges with determination and will and purpose. Today we focus on Afghanistan, but the battle is broader. Every nation has a choice to make. In this conflict, there is no neutral ground. If any government sponsors the outlaws and killers of innocence, they have become outlaws and murderers themselves. And they will take that lonely path at their own peril. I'm speaking to you today from the treaty room of the White House a place where American presidents have worked for peace. We're a peaceful nation. Yet as we have learned so suddenly and so tragically, there can be no peace in a world of sudden terror. In the face of today's new threat, the only way to pursue peace is to pursue those who threaten it. We did not ask for this mission, but we will fulfill it. The name of today's military operation is Enduring Freedom We defend not only our precious freedoms, but also the freedom of people everywhere to live and raise their children free from fear. I know many Americans feel fear today, and our government is taking strong precautions. All law enforcement and intelligence agencies are working aggressively around America, around the world, and around the clock. At my request, many governors have activated the National Guard to strengthen airport security. We have called up reserves to reinforce our military capability and strengthen the protection of our homeland. In the months ahead, our patience will be one of our strengths. Patience with the long waits that will result from tighter security. Patience in understanding that it will take time to achieve our goals. Patience in all the sacrifices that may come. Today, those sacrifices are being made by members of our armed forces who now defend us so far from home, and by their proud and worried families. A commander-in-chief sends America's sons and daughters into a battle in a foreign land only after the greatest care and a lot of prayer. We ask a lot of those who wear our uniform. We ask them to leave their loved ones, to travel great distances, to risk injury, even to be prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice of their lives. They are dedicated, they are honorable, They represent the best of our country, and we are grateful. To all the men and women in our military, every sailor, every soldier, every airman, every Coast Guardsman, every Marine, I say this, your mission is defined, your objectives are clear, your goal is just. You have my full confidence, and you will have every tool you need to carry out your duty. I recently received a touching letter that says a lot about the state of America in these difficult times? A letter from a fourth grade girl with a father in the military. As much as I don't want my dad to fight, she wrote, I'm willing to give him to you. This is a precious gift, the greatest she could give. This young girl knows what America is all about. Since September 11, an entire generation of young Americans has gained new understanding of the value of freedom and its cost in duty and in sacrifice. The battle is now joined on many fronts. We will not waver, we will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Peace and freedom will prevail. Thank you. May God continue to bless America.
0: How long was it, Marcus, that we were in Afghanistan for?
2: Like 20-something years.
1: Thoughts? I mean, George Bush is kind of cute, not going to lie. Um, I mean, it was good. Um, like I was telling Danielle, uh, Bush is a lot cuter than I remember. I don't know why I always thought of him as like this like stoic, like whatever. You thought
0: of him as stoic?
1: I don't know. Never dude. in my
0: life have I thought of President I've, Bush as stoic.
1: I've never thought about Bush, really. <laughs> like, it's not, it's, you know what's funny? No, can,
0: can I please tell you what's funny? Yeah. Okay, so as I was researching this episode, there's a point when um, President Bush says in an interview, they ask him about Osama bin Laden, and he responds, Marcus, he would respond in several interviews like they were dating, like they were exes. I'm not fucking kidding you. He was like, I don't really think of him ever. And I'm like, you don't think about the man who you're at war with. Nice and you're looking for right now i like
2: that so I, I don't know where he is nor you know i just don't spend that much time on him Kelly, to be honest with you we hadn't heard much from him and uh i wouldn't necessarily say he's at the center of any command structure and uh, you know again i don't know where he is i
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of giving him the cold shoulder i wonder if that's why bin laden was listening to uh, avril levine
0: Now, there would be a video released by the Pentagon of Osama bin Laden in December of 2001 discussing his plans for the terrorist attack, along with how only a select few of the terrorists knew that they were going to die, which we talked about in those other episodes, because Marcus and I couldn't understand why they were arriving late to planes and stuff like that. It's because a lot of them, majority of them, did not know that that was the day that they were going to die. They knew they were going to commit jihad, but they did not know that they were going to be suicide pilots.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, The pilots knew... Because there was only, and then that's so interesting when I'm like looking back at everything, it, you know, t- hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But like looking back at our, all of our research and everything, there were muscle hijackers who were the ones controlling the passengers on the plane. And then there were the, the pilot hijackers. And there were only like a couple that could actually pilot the plane. And those were the men that knew yeah they it was going all going down yeah mm-hmm. and then oddly enough just four days before the presidential election between president bush and john Kerry, which was won by a landslide of president bush was to take place in 2004 a message would be released by osama bin laden claiming direct responsibility for the attacks i find that timing so interesting
1: hold on i got some hot fudge to pour in this sunday of information we're getting <laughs> there have only been like three presidents that have lost a re-election when they've started a war.
0: Well, war is good for everything. War oh, is good for the dude. economy. War, not for the people, but no, war but is good for everything government-wise. America loves war. Well, we do. Well, it got us out of the Great Depression, man.
1: No, but that timing is very...
0: The timing is very...
1: Uh, as the kids in 2020 would say, sus.
0: Bin Laden said, according to translators that we should destroy the towers in America because we are a free people and we want to regain the freedom of our nation. Now, according to translators, he also said, your security is not in the hands of the Democratic presidential candidate, John Kerry or Bush or Al-Qaeda. Your security is in your own hands. Each state that does not meddle with our security has naturally guaranteed its own security.
1: So they were caps. What? Anarchist, uh, uh, Anarchist capitalist.
0: You know what he sounds like. You know what reminds me anonymous.
1: Do you know who he also sounds like?
0: Who
1: the Mandarin in Iron Man three? I'm pretty sure those are exact word for words. What but they, they, they might have ripped it. I mean, honestly,
0: because yeah. that and you, you know what the Marvel movies. Um, you know the United oh. States government puts money into the Marvel movies An as amount of military budget. Previously, Bin Laden had actually mocked President Bush's initial response to the attacks because Bush had taken so long to deal with everything. He said that if President Bush had been swifter, the attacks would not have been as severe. Mm-hmm. But instead, he said, Bush continued listening to, quote, a little girl's talk about her goat and its butting. As we know, the president was visiting Florida an elementary school and was reading that book, My Pet Goat.
1: Oh, dude, I totally thought, I totally thought this was like some ancient wisdom he was trying to impart (laughs) like it was a parable or something and i was like what does this mean
0: president bush continued reading that book for seven minutes after being told that a second plane had hit the tower remember Mm. he had been told right before going in that a plane had hit the towers to which it's like they thought it was an accident and then the next time he just kind of stares off for a second and then continues with the book situation and then he did the photo op thing yes but also that and did a statement from the school. And here's my question. Here's my question. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real real with y'all. I went back and watched Fahrenheit 9/11 by Michael Moore. Yeah. Um, Michael Moore made a darn good point during the documentary. Why did the Secret Service not get that man out of that situation? Because I can understand you're sitting there. You got a bunch of kids in front of you. You can't just be like, hey there's a huge emergency going on Mm -hmm. i gotta get out of here although i i feel like you could have you
1: could you're the president yeah you can literally look at them and be like hey
0: But why did the Secret Service... Remember
1: when your dad left and didn't come back? I'm about to do that, but I'm the president, (laughs) so I can do it.
0: But why did the Secret Service not swoop in and get him? Mind you, everybody knows his itinerary at that point. Everybody knows he's at this school. If the terrorists want to take him out, there he is. You know where he is, right? Okay, so he continues sitting there reading, not only for seven minutes, but then he hangs out, and they set up that press conference at that school. That was so dangerous for our country. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because to me. Because then we would
1: have gotten the guy that shot a Texas lawyer in the face as president.
0: Well, yeah, if he Dick. Had died.
1: But also, yeah, good. Also, good point. Why didn't he just pass the football to Dick Cheney during uh, that event? And like, here's... I want to show that I'm still in control. But not only if I am not available to be in control, someone else is going to step in and they're going to do just as good of a job as I am. Yeah. That I mean, that's the role of the vice president. Like, you were supposed to do just as good of a job as a president just in case he, he kicks the bucket while you're up there. So it's like, that would have been a massive show of force to be like, I can still sit here and read, and you your plans end here. Like, that's it, right? Because my vice president is on top of his game. But...
0: Meanwhile, <laughs> mean, meanwhile the Secret Service is fighting because they can't find the fucking key to get him into the bunker. Yeah. That's a past episode. Yeah. But it just... Embarrassing. So another good point was made by bin Laden himself, who said the hijackers had planned to have all of the attacks take place within 20 minutes, which we've also talked about before. Mm-hmm. And because they were sure that we would react quickly. They yeah. were sure that planes were going to start getting shot out of the sky. And then, of course, plane delays and everything else made it so that it, it took over hours, right? So Bush, he says Bush's delay, quote, gave us three times the required time to carry out the operations, thanks be to God, end quote. Dang. A total of 58 minutes elapsed between the time the first plane hit the North Tower and when the third plane crashed into the Pentagon, not to mention the fourth plane that crashed into the Pennsylvania Field, United 93, that crashed one hour and 25 minutes from the initial impact of Flight 11.
1: Yeah, we gave him plenty of time. Plenty of time. amount of time.
0: Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he's making some dark... Listen... He's making some darn good points. Here. Love him or hate him. Bin Laden spit facts. <laughs> Bin Laden also said that Bush had misled the American people in the three years since Al-Qaeda's, because this came out three years later, in the three years since Al-Qaeda's 19 hijackers accomplished their deadly mission. Quote, Bush is still deceiving you and hiding the truth from you. And therefore, the reasons are still there to repeat what happened. Ending with a threat. But Bush is still deceiving you. Yeah. Oh, we are gonna, we're gonna get into it. Dick Cheney, I also just want to mention here, we're gonna get into Dick Cheney being the CEO of the world's second largest oil field service company and the suspicions that he may have violated the Trading with the Enemy Act during the war. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Not to mention his clandestine meetings with the Saudi family, the Saudi royal Mm. family, after 9-11.
1: Oh, we still meet with them.
0: (sighs) Oh, listen, Marcus, Marcus marcus and they
1: still haven't claimed responsibility or even any sort of accountability to be like hey i'm so sorry that my citizens did this sort of thing
0: but before we dive into good old dick let's try to understand <laughs> no let's talk about osama bin laden and the saudi connection a little bit but i also think just because osama bin laden we touched on him in one of our episodes about the twin towers mm-hmm. but a lot of us don't know who he was we know he's the big bad man that did horrible things I will say there's a lot of mystery around Osama bin Laden
1: And I mean, everybody always asks, where is bin Laden? But nobody asks, how is bin Laden?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bin Laden was born March 10, 1957 in Saudi Arabia, like most of the 9-11 terrorists.
1: Hold on. He would be younger than most of our members of
0: Congress? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. That's another topic for another time.
0: He was born to a billionaire father named Mohammed bin Awad bin Laden. The founder of Saudi Bin Laden Group, a construction company, and he was Bin Laden was one of I'm sorry, now got a lot of bin Laden's Osama was one of fifty-two children by his father.
1: Holy cow.
0: The company made five billion for the bin Laden family, of which Osama would inherit between twenty-five to thirty million when his father passed away in nineteen sixty seven from a plane crash. Whoa, what? Interesting that he ended up orchestrating um, a terror attack with plane crashes involved. Now, his father had close ties to the Saudi royal family, even winning contracts to restore the Holy Mosque in Mecca and Medina, two of the greatest icons in Islam, which may be why 24 members of the bin Laden family were secretly evacuated out of the United States under FBI protection in the days following the 9-11 attacks. Just two days after September 11, 2001, Saudi Ambassador Saudi Prince Bandar bin Sultan would meet with President Bush, National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice, and Vice President Dick Cheney on the Truman Balcony of the White House. It's not known what they discussed during this meeting, but in the days following, secret charter private jets would fly the remaining bin Ladens and other prominent Saudi families out of the United States, according to the media, because of fear that they would be lynched. That's their their fear, okay? Mm. But why would the American government use our American tax dollars? Because this was all done through the FBI. Yeah. To get these people out of our country.
1: Yeah, that's more more or less. They're, they're millionaires. By today's standards, they would be billionaires. Why would they not just say...
0: Because there was that no-fly order and private jets could not get out at that time but because of could, that no-fly order.
1: But you could still... Pull them to the side, especially seeing, like, we wanted to, like, protect our our assets overseas and stuff like that. I get that. Pull them to the side. Be like, hey, we've got uh, the tail numbers for your planes whatever. We will give you a, um, basically, a send-off. We'll escort you out of the country so we know you stay on this path. Get out. And Godspeed.
0: So that would need a White House order, which is what they got. Mm. There was a private investigator, Dan Grossi who ensured a group of Saudi students made their clandestine flight from a private hangar in Tampa, Florida said at the time he knew if a private jet was to take off, it would need white house clearance because he was told that when he arrived, they literally almost laughed in his face when he arrived because they were like, we're flying a few planes out of here, but y'all aren't getting out tonight. Mm -hmm. Like good luck, you know? So in total, about 140 Saudis were whisked out of the United States who were members where we're close to two Saudi families, the House of Saud, the family that rules the Royal Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who owns vast oil reserves, the largest in the world, and the ruling family, friends, and allies, the Bin Ladens. Was this just another instance of the rich getting out when the going is good? I mean, we saw that most recently with Burning Man. Yeah. Burning Man became, what was it, a national disaster? Yeah. um, Declared a disaster. And yet, Chris Rock... Who Else flew out. Some of these celebrities were able to fly right out of it when it yeah. was, there was a stay in place order,
1: but now there's a bunch of people that are still there.
0: Yeah, I, are still they st- there. as of filming?
1: As of right now, I believe they are still there.
0: Wow, I'll, I'll put up in captions if, it, if that's really changed.
1: cool. Thing, um, though, there are triops that are coming out of the sand, which is pretty cool. There are oh, the, those little, little yeah, little guys. but they're big boys, they're big, they're really cool. It might be a new species, too. So that's, oh, that's also mean. really cool.
0: When this information about the Saudis leaving, fleeing yeah. America um, was released to the general public. Terrorist, ec- terrorism experts said that the Saudis who were evacuated may have been able to shed some light on the structure of al-Qaeda. However, we'll never know as they were never interviewed by the FBI before boarding their flights. And less than a month later, that very same president who ordered the evacuation of these witnesses would send hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops to Afghanistan and Iraq with no real investigation in place. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Um, While the Saudi government claims that they had no information on Osama or on Al-Qaeda, there is still no explanation for the Saudi family with ties to the royal family that fled Tampa two weeks before 9-11 even happened. They left behind clothing. They left behind jewelry. Everything was in place. We touched on them in the last episode. Literally fled. Two weeks before 9-11? Two two weeks before 9-11 happened. Their neighbors said that they left in a fucking hurry. Okay, they reported it to the police. I'm remembering. Okay, yeah. I'm remembering it now. The Al-Hajiji family who owned the house had plenty of evidence that they were connected to the hijackers who trained in Venice, Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. There were gate logs to their community that showed that cars that have been used by the terrorists were in and out of that fucking place visiting the home. There were also phone records that revealed multiple calls to the home of Muhammad Atta, Lead terrorist... Guy that flew a plane into the North Tower. How they even got rid of this house is totally unclear, by the way. It was never seized by the government, but the family had approached a realtor before they left saying they were thinking about moving. However, we have no further information on that. All of this was released years later in 28-page documents that had been withheld from us by the Bushes Mm -hmm. that Biden released. And we have no further information on that. Like I googled, I Googled, I Googled. And it was so hard to find even that information on it. That there were gate look, that they were connected look. to the terrace. They were connected to them.
1: Well, we've covered this in a couple of different episodes. First and foremost, I wanna give a shout out to the past three presidents we've had. Oh god. <laughs> because they've all declassified a lot of information that would have been held classified until I mean, you died, at least. I'm never going to die. That would have remained secret, top secret information, only for certain eyes. And a lot of those, a lot of the previous presidents that we've had, aside from Bush, have (laughs) really, really gotten in there and actually declassified a lot. That's why we know a lot about um, the JFK assassination now and also what happened at the end of World War II now, which is really, really cool. Um, But when it comes to this,
0: what? (laughs) (laughs) Those members of the Bin Laden family that fled, they claim that they had no ties to their radical relative. That includes his Mm half-brothers, okay, that fled our country, right? The family publicly actually disowned him in 1994, and his assets were frozen as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So his Saudi citizenship was also revoked in 1994. I didn't even know you could do that. So this was due to his radical beliefs. So Osama was raised devout Sunni Muslim. And, side note, apparently all... And I just want to say, we're diving into radical beliefs. Sunni Muslims aren't radical. I'm just... I'm starting to get into it. That sounded like... He, we
1: need, like, a, an
0: overview. We're doing an
1: overview yes. of his beliefs
0: right now. Um, We're going to get into when he was radicalized. So he's raised Sunni Muslim. Side note, apparently all of al-Qaeda is Sunni.
1: That makes sense, because there's, there's a big divide between the two.
0: And also, um, bin Laden was one of two founders... Of Al Qaeda, which I didn't know. I did he was either. a founder of Al Qaeda.
1: I yeah. mean, I would assume based on his position that he was, but I didn't know there was a second one. But
0: mm, oh, we're we'll gonna into that next episode. Bush. So, oh, <laughs> I want to say as well. Um, I think I put it down here in the notes, but it's just kind of flowing better to tell you right now. He fought with the Mujahideen when um, uh, the Soviet invasion happened, which I'll dive into. uh, Well, maybe I can come down here. We can, we can about talk right about now. that too. He was our ally during the Soviet invasion of, of Afghanistan. Yes. So if you don't know, the Soviet Union sent thousands of troops into Afghanistan and immediately assumed complete military and political control over Kabul and large portions of the country. This was a no-go for majority of the world. We were all like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. This didn't fly. The U.S. of course got involved. Do you have any further information you want to give about that? little And fought with the Mujahideen.
1: They had a lot of... Uh, operatives inside of the Mujahideen, and we also trained the Mujahideen um, profusely in guerrilla war tactics, and also... Oh, yeah. Oh, how interesting. Uh, um, this is, like, widely known throughout the military. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's also why we were able to predict the movements of a lot of Al- al-Qaeda move- members so well. We, them. we taught them how to do it. Interesting. Um, but when it comes to... First and foremost, to give a shout out to I think it's Rambo three. At the end, they give a a brief thing that says uh, this film is dedicated toward to the brave fighters of the Mujahideen.
0: Well, they are brave.
1: Oh yeah. Oh
0: man. So they're Islamist rebel militants, mm. and they fought the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan and the Soviet Union during the Soviet Afghan War.
1: But when it comes to the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan, um, the Soviet Union. Proved to the rest of the world that it is impossible to defeat an insurgency. Mm-hmm. They proved that to the rest of the world. Also, their uniforms went hard. Oh, my gosh. Their uniforms were so cool during that. The Soviets, I mean. Um, but they proved that um, even with one of the only two superpowers in the world at that point, um That they could not defeat, especially with the rest of the world glaring at them, they could not defeat an insurgency. Because what happens is you shoot somebody while you're out on patrol who might have been shooting at you or whatever. You shoot somebody, you go into a neighboring village, and you're trying to talk to them, trying to figure out information of, okay, well, who's the Mujahideen? Who's the leader? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the person you're talking to is the nephew of the guy you just shot you've just created another enemy. Some guy who might not have really cared about you, now he wants to kill you because you killed his uncle, and he's going to learn that about five minutes later, right? Um, So the Soviets proved that. Uh, I believe it is cited as one of the reasons the USSR ended up crumbling because they wasted so much money going down there. It it wasn't worth it at all. Um, And as they say, if you do not learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it.
0: Well, you know, it is eerie because even looking at some footage of our men um, there and them trying to talk with family members um, about where is your father? We need to speak with him because he's believed to be X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And um, you can see the, the just the confusion um, with our own teams. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you going in and asking who so and so? You should know who so and so is. Yeah.
1: You should have an identification. Before
0: you, yeah. So it's it's.
1: It's one of the reasons why the operation, um, in the very famous movie, Black Hawk Down, yes, it's Somalia, it's not Afghanistan, um, it's why that operation almost went very smoothly, because we knew exactly who we were going for, and we grabbed them, and we took them, we have them, we took them, gone, right? And then everything else transpired after that, due to, uh, piss poor planning. But, when it comes to this, um you can't win against an insurgency. It's one of the reasons why um, a lot of, oh my gosh, a lot of countries throughout the world have tried to invade Russia. Tried and tried to invade Russia. The second that winter hits, suddenly everything goes to crap and you cannot win, right? Except if you're the Mongols, the Mongols are the exception for every rule. Um, But when it comes to history repeating itself over and over and over again you need not look further than afghanistan it being um, invaded by its uh, surrounding countries russia the united states or even russia itself being invaded by its surrounding countries um to show that nothing works against a group of people that Hate you with every fiber of their and, being.
0: And then here's here's the other thing I, I will say I think a lot of our men had differing ideas too. Like, I watched a lot of interviews with them this week, like trying to see what was going on. And like one kid, he said, It's hard to conquer a country. And I'm like, Well, that's you don't even know why the fuck you're there, do you? Yeah. Well, it's not even yeah, that's and, and and but that shows that shows our predatory nature mm-hmm. in getting young men to fight wars that they have no concept of what they're even fighting.
1: And it's we're not even. The worst part about all of it, like this is the this is the worst part. Hear me out. All the way back in Vietnam.
0: Oh wow. Well. We. I mean, this is our second Vietnam. Yes.
1: We weren't trying to conquer the country. We were trying to change hearts and minds. It's really hard to do that when you just killed the dude's dad. Like oh, yeah. you cannot change hearts and minds. Sorry for I'm the so tangent. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah.
0: So a little bit about Bin Laden's radical beliefs because it's believed during his time with the Mujahideen. He was radicalized then. Not mm-hmm. that the Mujahideen radicalized him, but he became very obsessed with the fact that Western ideology is not good. Yeah. There's no real evidence as to when he shifted, but there was a shift. His family was not like this. He, he was not raised in a home where this was the belief system. Yeah. Okay. So he was radicalized. Not 100% sure when they think it was during this time. Now he believed the Islamic world was in crisis and that the complete restoration of Sharia law would be the only way to set things right. He opposed secular government as well as socialism, communism, and democracy. Bin Laden believed that Afghanistan under the rule of the Taliban was the only Islamic country in the Muslim world. He consistently pushed the need for violent jihad to make right the injustices against Muslims by the United States and by other non-Muslim states. He also called for the elimination of Israel and called upon the United States to withdraw all civilians and military personnel from the Middle East and from every Islamic country of the world. Mm-hmm. That and I feel like we're just pushing buttons. Do you know what I mean yeah. at times? A major component of bin Laden's ideology was was the concept that civilians from enemy countries, including women and children, were legitimate targets for jihadists to kill. Bin Laden criticized the United States for its secular form of governance and called upon Americans to convert to Islam and reject the immoral acts of fornication, homosexuality, alcohol, and other intoxications. And he would also claim that since the United States is a democracy, all citizens bear the responsibility for its government's actions, and civilians are therefore fair targets so okay. that's why he believes women and children are fair targets as well
1: but it's also i mean in in his eyes as he said his islamic world that he views mm-hmm. is is under it's under threat he's going to do everything in his power to defend that okay. but you're also talking about a guy <laughs> who has who has seen war with a superpower the ussr he himself oh, has yeah. seen war with yeah. a superpower so not only does he understand what kind of firepower might be coming his way from the United States, but now he also understands that, especially, he has no qualms with killing people.
0: Oh, None. how interesting.
1: So he's, he's, not only was he radicalized, and that might have happened during, during either his training or during his fighting, um, not only was he, was he radicalized, but he was also, he can repress those sort of emotions and just make, make a decision based on what needs to be done. But
0: How interesting. I'd never thought of it that way. Um, These are very interesting thoughts from a man who studied English at Oxford in England.
1: Wait, are you serious? (laughs) i think you're making a joke about me no no bin laden bin laden mr bin laden
0: mr bin laden
1: really a traveled cultured guy
0: man yeah so a little overview about him just give us a little bit of uh, headspace here okay so he studied at the university in saudi arabia until 1979 some sources say that he earned a civil engineering degree and some people say that it's a degree in public administration Mm -hmm. he wrote poetry he loved reading the works of field marshal bernard montgomery and Charles D. Gaul, which also, remember the Wadsworth-Longfellow house? Oh, yeah. From our first episode? Yeah. Mayhaps.
1: A little connection there. Could be a connection. Uh, maybe.
0: A connection. Maybe. Because I mean, Muhammad was close with bin Laden.
1: Yes. And uh, also Muhammad
0: Adda, sorry.
1: Also, you have to look at um, the, the history of these kind of stoic warriors of it. The best one I can think of is Japan, where Japan, the samurai or the the people who were the soldiers who were tasked in protecting landlords and kings and emperors and all the rest of that were expected to understand how to write poetry and what poetry was supposed to mean and also different types of calligraphy, different types of art and stuff like that. So he might have been trying to I'm not saying that although. I almost said, I'm not saying that Bin Laden was was a weeb, but he did have Naruto on his... And that's an awful anime. I can get into that later, but... Most
0: agree, though. His main love, his main interest was studying the Quran and Jihad. So he was banished from Saudi Arabia in 1991 for his repeated criticism of Saudi's alliance with the United States. Do not read ahead. I'm not. I want to tell you this. So, such a side note. Don't criticize the Saudi government. Don't do it. In my research for this episode... I stumbled across the dismemberment of a journalism, a journalist.
1: Oh yeah, dude. No, they're nuts. <laughs> there there is an insane amount an insane amount of death penalties for an insane amount of things that you would not think of a death penalty for in a lot of countries throughout the world. Not just Saudi Arabia. A lot of, a countries, lot of countries throughout the world.
0: Jamal Khashoggi. He was a very prominent journalist in Saudi Arabia um, for years, for years. He actually even was an advisor um, for the Saudi royal family at one point in time. He reported on certain prominent things like, I don't know, the Afghan Soviet invasion, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Prominent journalist, okay? He was strangled to death by 15 Saudi operatives at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul,
1: Turkey. How big was this guy? If they felt the need to send 15 dudes after him, how big was this guy? Holy cow. Anyways.
0: Yeah, his body was then dismembered and disposed of. Yeah. Now, get this. Get this. They were just going to play it off, okay? He was like a missing person and all that. What they didn't know was the Turkish government had bugged that consulate. Ooh. So there's recording of Jamal's last moments on this earth. Oof. Oh, yeah. The Saudi royal family, he ended up having a disjoint from them. He fell out of favor, what have you. So when he was alive, Jamal actually sent himself into a self-exile, okay? Okay. So he went to the United States. He actually started publishing under the Washington Post. Um, When he was publishing under the Washington Post, he, though, then started writing articles criticizing the Saudi royal family, the Saudi government, the Saudi prince in particular. He was even scared to do certain things. With the Saudi government, even outside of the country, obviously mm-hmm. fair because of what ended up happening to him. Yeah, um, but for whatever reason, he went to the Saudi consulate that day and never came out.
1: the The U.S. would be a very safe, per, very safe place if you were on the run from the from the Saudis, because the Saudis would want to enact their um, their law right on you, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't want to mess up the stuff they have with us. Because they have a very lucrative deal with us where everybody's getting rich at the same time.
0: We could do an entire episode on this because I would like to know if there was any ramifications for the Saudi government. Doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there were other countries that got involved. I know our country kind of got involved in this.
1: Let's get back to to Bin Laden himself.
0: So as I said before, Bin Laden lost his citizenship in 1994 from Saudi Arabia. And he moved to the Sudan until the U.S. pressured him to leave in 1996. And as we know, in 1998, Bin Laden would declare war upon the United States and his fatwa. And we would find out that he was behind the bombings of both the USS Cole and the East Africa Embassy bombings. Mm-hmm. And like we said in many previous episodes, but especially our John O'Neill episode, we were very much aware not only of his presence, but of the threat that he put upon the United States. Next, next week, we are going to be looking into... Bush, Cheney, Bush Senior, H. W. More Saudi connection, and I'm sure something else because the ADHD in this family it's
1: is, hitting strong.
0: It's hitting strong. It's right especially
1: now. now that we we were gone for a bit and we're picking it back up. We're ready, man. Yeah, we want it to be.
0: We want to do some good research. And that was why, too, as I got got to this last night. And I realized that I'd just taken so much more than I could chew. And I I still have. Like, I'm on page 7 of 16. Mm -hmm. But I haven't researched those bits as much as I could. And I was like, no. I'm going to take a break. End it there. And we'll come back to it. But we missed you guys. And so it's the end of the episode. We want to talk a bit about our lives. Where have you been, Marcus?
1: If you have any questions... Feel free to leave them in the comments. I don't know why I'm saying this. Um, I have been married.
0: Yes, congratulations. Twice now. Once. (laughs) To Sarah. Um, I
1: have been married. I got married. Um, For those of you asking, where did we go on our honeymoon? We haven't gone. (laughs) It's part of the joys of uh, living in this current era, not being able to afford anything. However, not being able to afford anything also has its perks because when I couldn't afford anything when I was in college, I joined the U.S. Army. (laughs) And because of that, I'm able to afford a house. Thank you (laughs) to the military industrial complex. So we closed on a house and uh, Sarah and I will be moving into it very shortly. (laughs) And, And the VA for supplying the loan. Please fix your wait times on mental health (laughs) patients, please.
0: God bless America. (laughs) God bless America. Well, where have I been? Thank you for asking, Marcus.
1: Where have you been, Danielle?
0: Thanks. I've been here in Galveston. Um, Just getting acclimated, man. Um, It's been really nice to socialize. I just want to say, if you don't know, I'm on TikTok. I have been for the past three years. And have a big following there. And um, While you were saying the TikTok thing, I was looking around going, what? (laughs) (laughs) You have a big following on TikTok? What? Never knew. But anyways, I've been creating content for three years now. And um, I will say, two of those years, maybe all three, have been the most lonely in my life. Um, You know Bo Burnham's song? Um, where he's like daddy made you some content you know and he's singing about how it would be nice to go outside but he's gonna make you a video instead that's how i've felt (laughs) so it's been nice to go outside touch the grass uh hang out with people i feel like no but you know what's weird um since taking an outside job again and like actually commingling with people yeah yeah um I find I'm not good with social cues anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very bad at listening to people, which I am starting to work on again. Yeah, um, I it interrupt. I'm very rude, um, and I'm really trying to work on that because I don't know. Just I just noticed within myself. I was like, Oh my god, I'm just cutting people off. Yes. Fucking COVID and sitting inside the house for well, and then and then working from home. Mm-hmm. Really,
1: uh, yeah. See, I during during the vid. I had I had a, a stint of mild paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was alone. I was living in Tulsa, and I was alone for around nine months where I didn't even touch another human being.
0: Was Sarah not around?
1: No, that was when I was still dating Canada. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot about Oh, dude. I became feral <laughs> during
0: that time. <laughs> you know what we did do during that time? If you go over to Marcus's channel, which we always link in our description, um, we made a lot of content, though. Yes, we and did. And that was before I even was making content on TikTok.
1: But that was also before the real deal hit. That was before the real deal hit. What do you mean? The real, like, everybody's song side and all the rest of that. That was, oh, that that was true. just that was, before that. that
0: was, well, we were making stuff about Tiger King. And, yes, uh, that was
1: right at the beginning where everything was kind of like, ah, you know. We should have
0: done more with that because we, uh, a lot of people, well, including myself, I'd say that's why I have the following I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, is because everybody was just stuck at, inside and, and we
1: could do, we could do a Tiger King revisited and hit season two. Jesus, a you format. know, I
0: mean, I did an episode for Tiger King for ITT and, um, there's so much to that to unpack mm-hmm. there, there really is. I mean, and I mean, mind you, you have the background in, um, animal, animal knowledge,
1: unfortunately.
0: Uh, Marcus like literally we should I mean we should go into the animal trade at some point in time yes we should look at it. Okay. so thank you all for hanging out with us um, thanks for watching our catch up if you appreciated it uh, make sure you like subscribe and next
1: week you're gonna watch the mustard
0: <laughs> Marcus has lost it make sure to like subscribe do all the things so that we can continue making more episodes for you if you would like it but we'll try to be less overtired next, yeah. next week we'll yeah. try alright Bye. See you next, next week.